taking a day off. We've got a little challenge for two of them. Mick and Lisa, can you come and help us out, please? Where's Lisa? <laughs> Is Lisa here? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so your first challenge is in 30 seconds, you have to create a sculpture of as many dolphins as you can <laughs> uh, out of Play-Doh, uh, and then the congregation will decide which is the best, uh, a better artistic representation, you could say. Uh, Lisa, because you are our inspirational lead minister, we're going to give you a dolphin mould to help you. What? <laughs> Mick, Sorry, but I really it's like okay. I you get to go freestyle, Mick. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll vaguely, vaguely judge 30 seconds and see what you come up with, all right? Uh, so off you go. <laughs> a bit of cheering from, come on. <laughs> Are you timing it? Oh, time it. Time it, Matt, time it. About 25 seconds left, I think. Ten seconds left. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Right. <laughs> Come on, round of applause, please. Come on. So here you have Mick's beautiful dolphin, right here. <laughs> Freestyle. Well then. And then Lisa's dolphin's there, which I just like. So I think we can agree. Who thinks that Lisa's dolphin is better? Round of applause. Come on. Clap if you think Lisa's is better. Come on. And then if you think mix whatever this is, is better. <laughs> abstract mix, abstract. Uh, now that was a bit too easy, okay? So your second challenge is to create a nativity scene as it is Christmas. Uh, Mick, you're still free to go freestyle and create your masterpiece, but Lisa, you still have to use the dolphin mold that we gave you last time. Only that dolphin mold, okay? to create the nativity scene, all right? Right. Can we have a countdown, please? Three, two, one. Go. <laughs> Freestyle, Mick. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> How long left, man? Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Right, so you've got mixed Christmas scene quite minute, I think. Right, okay, so. <laughs> yep. Frankincense. Yeah. Uh, oh. Where's Jesus? <laughs> Wasn't that the dolphin you made last time? <laughs> okay, so round of applause. Who thinks Lisa's nativity scene is better? 
and mix minute <laughs> nativity scene. Thank you too very much for helping us out. Um, this might seem a bit random, but today we're talking about breaking moulds. And as we saw, Lisa found creating a dolphin simple and easy when um, she had a mould of it, but found it more difficult to make anything else. You'll see why this is relevant later whenever as we come and speak to you. Right. Thanks very much. As we said with the Play-Doh, it is better to be free of a mould than to be constricted by it. A mould is very good for keeping things identical and uniform. Moulds are efficient. They enable us to mass produce, to make things faster and on a larger scale than can be done by hand. Moulds serve a purpose, but while moulds are useful, we, we must remember that moulds follow an agenda. An agenda that is not always in line with what we believe as Christians and followers of God. In Isaiah 64.8, it says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. This verse presents a powerful image. We are the clay crafted by God the potter. And unlike the mass-produced items we see all around us in this world, we are all unique. God didn't use a mold to make us. We are all the work of his hands. We are all special in our own ways, and God loves us because of it. The author, Max Lucado, wrote a children's book which illustrates this idea. The story is called You Are Special, and is about a village in which there live small wooden people called Wemmicks. Each of the wooden people was carved by a woodworker named Eli. The Wemmicks walk around all day and give each other either a gold star or a grey dot sticker, based on what they think are successes and failures. A Wemmick named Punchinello always tried his best to receive gold stars from the other Wemmicks, but only received grey dots for not doing well enough. One day, he met a Wemmick named Lucia, who didn't have any stickers. Punchinello didn't want any stickers on him either, so Lucia told him to visit their maker, Eli. Eli said to Punchinello, The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. The underlying message of the book is one which is relevant to us in our own lives. How far do we allow ourselves to be shaped by other people's opinions and expectations? Should we judge our own worth based on the judgments of others? In the story, being special is defined by the woodcarver Eli as being made uniquely. We are all different and unique, and yet we are all special because God made each one of us in his own image. He doesn't want us to be shaped by man-made moulds, moulds which undermine our sense of individuality and restrict us. In our world today, many people are restricted by moulds. Some people conform to society's ways in order to feel a sense of significance and belonging. Other people um, have moulds forced upon them. I think we can all relate to this in our own lives. So today, we're talking about breaking the mould. But I thought to understand this idea, we need to think about what these moulds we're trying to break actually look like and what they actually are. Because as Asher has just said, God doesn't want us to be restricted by moulds. He wants us to live life how he made us because he loves us for it. 
but breaking these molds are a lot easier said than done. And there are examples of these horrible, restricting molds in our everyday lives, in history, and especially in the Bible. Since it is only one week until Christmas, a good place to look in the Bible would be the Christmas story. And fortunately, there is one man in particular who is especially good at conforming to these social molds, King Herod. Herod was pronounced king of the Jews in 30 BC, but he was merely a puppet under the hand of Rome and Augustus because he was being told and shown how to be the most powerful, best and most terrifying king that he could be. He was restricted by these molds that were forced upon him. An example of this is how Herod lived a life of luxury he, because that was what powerful kings did and that was what he told he should live like. But all of this luxury was at the taxpayer's expense, paying for his massive castle, his thousands of slavers and endless banquets just to get a social status. Herod was ruled by his need to keep his power, his position and his privileges. He ended up killing many, including his own family, because he was so paranoid about losing this precious power that he held so dearly. To rule, Herod used violence and his human-given power. Unlike Jesus, he forced people to follow them, him instead of inspiring them to and showing them why he should. This mold of terror and killing that he used made him strong, but at the same time, incredibly weak. Now, Herod, he lived over 2,000 years ago, but this restricting mold is nowhere near gone. In North Korea, there is a very visible example of the mold and conformity that we face in our world today. Ruled by Kim Jong-un, men have 10 choices of haircuts and women have 18. I know, we laugh at it because it's incredibly insane to us, but, this, but just so they can all have the same fashionable do as their leader and so they can all be marked as his. This is a very literal mold that we can see and it's very visible to us making them all look like him. But this is not the only mold that they face in their society. There is also no right to free speech. And if you have opinions that differ to the norm, then you are prosecuted. And guess who the norm is decided by? The government and Kim Jong-un himself. As well as this, all of their media is regulated and controlled by their government. It has an agenda and an aim to brainwash its citizens putting them into a man-made mould of how to think and how to act. This seems a million miles away. We are very happy in our country with free speech, free media and our own unique haircuts. <laughs> but our society in England has a lot more parallels to this than you may think. Our moulds are more subtle, but definitely still there. One example of this is success. Success is something that is very affected by moulds. The definition, priority and importance of success is very different in human eyes to God's. Success in our modern society could be considered getting good grades and the pressure on students to get that. Getting a good job, getting a good marriage and raising a happy, perfect family. That is what society says we must achieve to be considered successful. Now, all of these things, don't get me wrong, are great things and are good goals to try and achieve. But society makes us shaped by these. 
It says we must do whatever we can to achieve these goals. But God doesn't want us to change who we are for anything. He made us and wants us to have a great life. He doesn't want us to be defined by this success. It can put a mold on us and restrict us, either the need of it or having it. Nothing you can do can make God love you more, and nothing you can do can make him love you less. So why don't we remember that? Society is always telling us that these successes are so important. They don't matter to God. God doesn't define you by your successes, just like humans and society do, because to him, you are already a success. Don't let the mold of success restrict and shape the God-made you. In our first world modern country, the media also plays a massive part in all of our lives. In North Korea, they may have the government controlling and restricting their media, brainwashing its peoples, but our media is subtly doing the same thing. Telling us to be stick-thin, good-looking and successful, to be a good human being and to fit in. The media is imposing a mold onto us by setting unrealistic standards that we always try to meet changing the way we are to be like these unreachable goals. Just like Herod, we are obsessed with expressing our power and success, one-upmanship, self-preservation and promotion. If we're not careful, we'll start changing who we are to become this perfect human that society deems so important. We'll become restricted by the moulds put onto us, and a lot like the products we see coming out of our factories, will become boring, identical, uniform, and a million miles away from where God wanted us to be. As Christians, we believe we're made in God's image. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. By him, and he wants us to love ourselves with all our perfections and our perfect imperfections, because he made them. He wouldn't want us to sacrifice our God-given, unique identity to conform to these social molds. He didn't want us all to be the same, so he didn't make us all the same, and there was a reason for that. He loves us with all of our differences. In Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That just says it all, doesn't it? I don't need to go in explaining that because it just says it right there. God created us without molds or limits, and he doesn't make mistakes. Just like Eli in You Are Special, he loves every one of his creations. Despite the judgments and critiques that society can sometimes put on us, or in the story You Are Special, the dots and stars, they're still there, but we don't have them physically put on us. But who is worth listening to? The creator of the whole universe, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and loves us unconditionally. Or the society that is constantly trying to push us down and telling us that we're not good enough. Only when we disregard and forget people's judgments and trust in God's never-ending love for us can we truly break the mold, be free of molds, just like God wants. Thank you.
That was worse. That was So, as we have heard, the world is full of molds and expectations. And whether these molds are affecting people in countries far away from here, or they're affecting people in this room, they have the same purpose. To confine us, to restrict us, to make us think, speak, and behave in a certain way. Often in a way contrary to what God wants. And the thing is, this isn't a novel idea. Such modes have been around for a long time. As we've been shown, there are examples of modes in the Christmas story. One such being power and the way it's administered. People expected a ruler to be like King Herod or Caesar, an almost elusive figure who ruled with fear and oppression, who sat on a throne in a massive palace surrounded by all their money and jewels. There's a reason that even though it wasn't where the star was leading them, the palace was the first part of call for the Magi when they were looking for Jesus, because that's where they expected that a king would and maybe even should be born. And the thing is, the mold of what the world thinks a ruler should be hasn't changed much. If I was to ask somebody to describe a ruler for me, I'm pretty sure I would get a similar description to the one that I just gave. But the thing is, God doesn't see things the way the world does. He sees things differently. He does things differently. Most people would expect a ruler to enter a place in an exuberant fashion, maybe with some sort of a procession or celebration. But instead, God chose to enter the world as a baby. Most people would expect the child of a king to be born in a palace with access to pretty much whatever they want. But instead, God chose to have his son be brought into the world inside a stable that was probably dirty, riddled with disease, and probably had animals in there. Most people would have expected that God's son will be born to royalty, people who would be very famous and have lots of riches. But instead, God chose that his son be born to Mary, a teenager, a virgin, somebody who compared to a king or ruler would have been a nobody in society. 
Most people would have expected that the most important people in society would have been present for the birth of God's son. Rulers, kings, queens, the chief priests and the leaders among the people. But instead, the shepherds, the lowest of the low in society, and the major, a group from a far-off land were the ones that God chose to witness and celebrate the birth of his son. Given the facts, I ask you this. Does that sound like a birth of a king to you? Not by the world's mode. But the thing is, God doesn't adhere to the world's expectations. When Jesus was born, God took the world's mode for who a ruler should be, and he completely broke it. Because the king that was born on that night to a teenager in a stable that was laid in a manger and visited by shepherds was God's son, the child who would grow up to become the king that would save everybody. Breaking the mold is something that Jesus did a lot throughout his time on earth. He often did things that people didn't expect or understand. He chose to meet with people that were normally overlooked or cost us the sinners. He treated people differently than expected. Instead of punishing people who had sinned, he showed compassion and forgave them. He didn't actively try to become rich or to gain a celebrity status. Instead, he was somebody who constantly challenged the things around him, the things that were contrary to what God wanted. And he wants us to do the same thing, to copy him and to break the molds around us in our daily lives. In John 13, verse 15, after having washed his disciples' feet, something else which was unheard of. He said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And although he was speaking to his 12 disciples at the time, those words still ring true today. We here today are followers of God, disciples of Christ. We've been given the ultimate example, and now we need to replicate it. We need to break the modes in our lives that are stopping us from becoming the people that God wants us to be. And instead, allow God, the potter, to reshape us into the people that he wants us to be. I want to read a passage to you that I was shown this week. It's James 3, verses 13 to 17. And it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. From where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. When this passage was shared with me, I was very interested because it completely changed the way that I looked at wisdom. Before, I had always thought that there was just one type of wisdom, and from that you were either wise or you weren't. But this passage says otherwise. Instead, it describes two types of wisdom. Heavenly wisdom, wisdom from God, and earthly wisdom, the wisdom of the earth. And the thing is, when you look at the passage and the descriptions of the two types of wisdom, you start to see that they're pretty much polar opposites of each other. Heavenly wisdom is described as being pure, peace-loving, full of mercy and good fruit, whereas earthly wisdom is unspiritual and demonic, and it leads to disorder and every evil practice. The type of wisdom that we have is very important. 
It shapes who we are and determines whether we are forced into the world's modes or not. Earthly wisdom is the foundation that the modes that we've been talking about today are built on. It's what the world has, uh, the world has adopted to mislead, restrict, and harm us. Which is why we need heavenly wisdom. The wisdom from God that's in his word to help us to break the world's mold and to reject earthly wisdom. Take your image, for example. You're told that you need to look a certain way, behave a certain way, be a certain person, or else you're worthless, undesirable, and a reject. But that's not what God says. Psalm 139, verse 14 says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Genesis 1 verse 27 tells us that we were made in the image of God. Each and every single person here has been made in the image of God. And every single one of your imperfections, God made fearfully and wonderfully. Break the mold. God says that you are the apple of his eye. And don't let anybody try to tell you otherwise. Or maybe you're in a difficult situation. Everything is going wrong and you seem to be all alone. The world would tell you to give up. It's hopeless. Nobody loves you. But that's not what God says. Romans 8 verses 37 to 39 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Break the mold. Don't give up. Know that through God you will conquer whatever situation you're in. And know that God loves you and nothing can change that. These are only a few examples of a multitude of molds that we might find restricting our lives. Whatever modes you feel oppressing you in, trying to force you into becoming something other than what God wants, break them. Instead, let God mold and craft you into the person that he wants you to become. This isn't just a message for now during the Christmas season. It's a message for the whole year round. Break the mold. It isn't always the easiest thing to do. In fact, most of the time, it may be incredibly difficult. You may have to live in a way that others won't be. You may have to try to distinguish the truth whilst lies are being shouted out all around you. You may have to be the one to take the first step to become the example for others to follow. But when it does get tough, look to God and to the example that he gave to us. Jesus Christ, the King of heaven, who came down to earth, who ruled, not with the power of fear and oppression, but instead with the power of love, and who came to us in the form of a baby boy.